0: Welcome to episode 102 of the Berlin Brigade dot com podcast. I am your host David Guerra, former member of Alpha Company, 6th Battalion, 502nd Infantry, Berlin Brigade, United States Army. Let's get this show started. Einsteigen bitte. You heard the man. Everybody on board, it's time to go. It's time to get this this podcast episode started. So again, welcome to episode 102. I am David Guerra. Thanks for stopping by. Thanks for downloading. Thanks for listening. Alrighty. So in this episode, it's an interview episode. It's been a long time coming, but we're going to, we've got more lined up. So thank you for those of you that have reached out. Those of you I've communicated with and uh, everybody that's listening again, you're more than welcome. Just drop me a note and say, Hey, I got something to talk about. Let's talk about it. Let's get you on the podcast. Cause again, this is about you and me and everyone else that served in the Berlin Brigade at any time from 45 to 94. So don't feel like you're left out. No, it's everybody that served in Berlin. So today's interview is with George Schrank. He served with Alpha Company, 3rd Battalion, 6th Infantry from around January 1973 to July 1974. In this episode, now this is a two-part episode, so first part, George is going to talk about the 30th anniversary of the D-Day landing reenactments by soldiers of the Berlin Brigade. Uh, He's going to talk about where he's from, uh, getting drafted, and uh, he talks about an Eagle Scout, an Eagle Scout, and uh, there's more. There's a lot more talking about, well, we talked to George and it's a great time. We had a good time just talking. It was awesome. So like I said, this is a two-parter. He had a lot to say. So second part's coming. But for right now, please sit back, enjoy part one of an interview with George Schrenk, formerly Alpha Company, 3rd Battalion, 6th
1: Infantry. Well, we're on. That's great, sir. Well, welcome. Yeah, I was definitely excited because, you know, today was the 75th anniversary. And, you know, I was watching it on all the news networks this morning and this afternoon and and then I was just thinking back to, you know, it was when we did the recreation, it was 45 years ago. Wow. Yeah. So it was like, wow, 45 years ago and they're this, this celebrating the 75th anniversary. So it was, uh, it was just kind of brought back some memories and just to think about the whole experience was really amazing for, you know, for all the people that went from you know alpha three six so it was just great you know and now that i think back and you know thinking you know and i you know i had sent you that original request to to get the original you know uh article from the Berlin observer a- because i had yeah i got it yeah oh, i had a yeah a friend of a friend of mine who i connected through Facebook, uh, through Berlin Brigade, you know, there was somebody posted something about two or three months ago and I put something in. I said I was there you know, seventy three, seventy four, eight three six, 836. And this, this guy uh, Doug Johnson posted, hey, I was there at the same time. George, I remember you. And I was like, oh wow, the name the name sounds familiar, but I couldn't place You know, I couldn't place the face and, you know, we 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 emailed back through messenger or something. And then, you know, he is up in, I guess, North Dakota. So I called him and we talked probably for an hour or so on the phone and talked about, you know, you know, everything when when we were there and he he was there. He got there probably. Probably six months after I did, I got there in. January of 73 he got there in I think June or July of 73 and he was in my in our company and another squad and, and we just talked about and that the topic of uh, you know the the Recreation came up and he says I was in the same boat with you and and I'm like and I and we start talking about you know in a picture it shows in the Berlin Brigade picture it shows the two uh, the two rafts coming in and there's a big explosion on one raft and the picture was taken and you can see the 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 explosion and we started talking about that and it was actually we both kinda laughed and said it could have been real serious of what happened. And if you want I can I can take you through what happened and it was kinda interesting to begin with. Well yeah by all means. Yeah so you know it was a it was a similar to back in forty uh, four it was kind of a cold and overcast and a little rainy that morning when we were doing the recreation and you know we were we were probably a uh, hundred yards from the shore you know we we paddled out and everything and we were we were out about a hundred yards and said okay, let's we're gonna paddle in and start the recreation and we had gotten there probably three or four days beforehand and you know we kind of you know climbed the cliffs and set up you know ropes and everything so when we did the reenactment you know nobody was going to get hurt or anything because they slipped and fall or anything like that you know so we practiced you know a couple days before you know back and forth and uh, I guess the night before we had a had a dinner because we were staying at these condos right on the beach down by uh, Omaha beach. And they had all the, uh, the the original veterans because it was going to be the 30th anniversary from the, uh, that ranger battalion that climbed, you know, point to heart where we were going to do the reenactment. And if you remember the longest day, it, it shows that little, that little segment in the longest day when they were climbing the cliffs of Point du Haut. Well, we met a lot of the uh, veterans from that ranger company. And I guess, let's see, so that was 30 years later. These, these guys were probably, you know, late 50s, early 60s, you know, compared to now they're in, you know, the mid to late 90s. And we got to talk to them and everything, we had dinner, and then we got to talk to all these rangers and stuff. And it was really, it was really unbelievable, just you know, to meet these these gentlemen and everything, and talk about, you know, what happened and everything. Well, so to take you about the the assault, as we were coming in, one of the, the sergeants had these pyrotechnics that they were gonna just throw out to simulate, you know, artillery blowing up in the uh, in the water. So as we were as we were paddling in. It was Sergeant McKay who had these the pyrotechnics, and you know he was pulling the pin and just throwing them out in the water, and they were going off. Well, the one he, you know, and I think it was probably the last pyrotechnic he had. You know, he pulled the pin, and when he threw it, he kind of threw it over his over his shoulder, and it actually uh, it actually hit one of the guy the guy behind him. It was uh, Private Shorty Thomas. It hit his helmet. And then popped right into the water, right beside the raft. And I was on the other side of the boat, and so was Doug, because we talked about it. And I kind of looked over, going, "Holy smokes, this thing's going to explode right under the right under the raft." And sure enough, it exploded, and that side of the raft went down. And if it wasn't for Sergeant Rodriguez, who grabbed grabbed Shorty by uh, his web gear and stuff by his you know his collar there, grabbed him and pulled him back into the raft. You know, he would have just who knows, you know, because the first thing we we're wondering is anybody hurt? Is he hurt? Because it it was like a big depth charge that went off, you know, and he it was okay, but the raft really that side of the raft was losing air, so we were paddling hard to get into the get into the shore and everything. And I said, well, I guess this is as real time as you can get. We had artillery explosion almost take out our raft, so it was kind of it was kind of interesting. Of you know what? And and looking at the Berlin Observer and it shows it shows the picture of the explosion on the back of the raft. And, you know, there was probably what, 15 or 18 people in the raft. And we were just all like, holy smokes, you know, and if it wasn't for Sergeant Rodriguez grabbing him, you know, he would have been, you know. Who knows? It floated, floated away or, you know, but he grabbed him right away because that side of the raft went down and he was in the water flailing. And, you know, <laughs> so it was it was definitely interesting to start the whole recreation like that under, you know, those circumstances and, you know, real time, real time, you know, artillery that was thrown by. By our sergeant, so it was kind of kind interesting, and me and Doug kind of talked about it and kind of laughed and everything. And I said, "Yeah, it was kind of interesting."
0: Wow, sounds like it. So let me ask: um, How did you get selected?
1: Uh, yeah the uh, the the lieutenant, the two lieutenants, Lieutenant Staser and Lieutenant Wampler, they basically put it put it out to Put it out to the uh you know the company and everything and then they 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 interviewed they interviewed all the all the people that were interested in stuff and and there was you know you know there was some guys that were just like I could care less going to Paris going going to France and doing this and doing that and you know you know so they they were trying to they were trying to weed people out that really weren't you know we we're going to give it their heart and they kind of painted the picture, you know, we're going to go out there and it's not going to be, we're going to sit on the beach and sit in the condo and, you know, get sun and then we're going to go out there and we're going to work. We're going to practice. and we're going to make sure this is as real, you know, as could be for these, these veterans 30 years later, you know, so, you know, it, it, you know, everybody, everybody that, 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 was going, they were all excited to go and do whatever we could, you know, and, you know, I was, I was drafted, you know, I was one of the last draftees, you know, in, uh, in the end of August of 74, my number was 61. And I think that year, the draft, they, they took up to 75. So, you know, that's, that's how I, that's how I went in and, you know, and a good friend of mine, uh, cousin went into the went into the military probably six eight months early and he be, he was going to be an mp and i had talked to him after i had got my draft notice and said i said hey does it make a difference if i'm drafted or i sign up or anything he says nope you know they treat you all the same all they basically say is you're either regular army or you're u.s and if you're u.s that means you're drafted but does it change anything nope because nobody really knows you know and and I said, okay, then I guess I really don't need to do anything. I'll just get drafted and go in. And, you know, they weren't sending anybody over to Vietnam anymore because Nixon had uh, passed that law. He wasn't going to send any more draftees or anything. I think he passed it in June of of 72, and I went in in August of 72. So, you know, via, via Fort Dix, New Jersey, and then – we took a uh, advanced AIT in Fort Jackson, South Carolina. And then from there, after what, a two week leave over Christmas, we were on a plane landing in Frankfurt, Germany to get, to get processed, to get processed where we were going. And you know, we were, it was just a whole bunch of people, lots of people, you know, and you know, everybody was getting their orders and I had my orders that said, Berlin, okay where's Berlin? I can't remember in my history. And one guy said, oh, man, you got the best duty in the world. You're going to Berlin. You know, all you're going to do is uh, do spit and polish and everything. And it's great duty versus being in Western Germany in the infantry where, you know, they're out in the field nine months a year and you guys only go down 30 days twice a year. So I was just like, oh, this is great. Okay.' So I was kind of kind of excited because it's like, and then they said yeah berlin's 110 miles into you know <laughs> east germany i was like oh okay so you know it was like a quick history lesson to remember back then you know about the wall and everything and so you know i you know and I, you know to be honest it was it was great duty you know i you know the time over there i i loved it you know my parents came over one, uh, one summer to see me and traveled around all of Germany. I got to see them for a couple of days and it, it was great. I, I look back on on this and I actually had one year of college, you know, but when I got my draft notice, it was the summer and there was no college deferments. I said, Hey, I'm, I'm in a role to start school again in September. And they said, well, you ain't in school now. So, you know, sorry, you're going. I went, okay. <laughs> you know, I'll go, uh, I'll do my two years and stuff. And, you know, after I got in and got through most of the stuff, they saw I had one year of college and they wanted to know if I wanted to go to OCS and this, that, and the other thing. And I said, I'm going to do my two years and then I'm going to get out and I'm going to go back and get my college degree with the GI bill and, you know, go from there. And, uh, basically it was the best thing in my life. The two years in the military, you know, it, Kind of gave me a, a vision of what I what I wanted to do and and everything and, and kind of you know helped me figure out what I wanted to do in life. So I I look back at that was probably the best the best duty the best friends I ever made and you know and everything and you know and I can I can remember down in the in the zone in wintertime and in what was it it was late January early February of. 73 when we went down to the zone and being in a being in a foxhole for like you know 24 hours on a on a you know a field exercise and just you know freezing (laughs) me and me and the guy in the foxhole we were kind of just trying to keep warm and get with each other and stuff because it was snowing and it was cold it was winter time and you know but we all got through it and you know, came back and said, well, we've been to a zone and everybody, you know, you know, we weren't recruits anymore because we've been through the zone. That was the first thing. You're a recruit. You've never been to a zone. And, you know, okay, well, you know, we went and did our, did our 30 days in the field and it was an experience.
0: Yeah, that sounds about right. I mean, everything you said there is kind of like, okay, except for the draft part, It kind of like, that's kind of, what everybody across the board everybody kind of shared you know the greatest unit greatest unit uh yeah it, it had that perception of spit polish you know and and parade but we worked we hustled we grinded
1: oh oh yeah oh yeah we did and you know and you know besides that you know we guarded we guarded Hess and you know and basically a good a good uh my neighbor his his uh grandson was an Eagle Scout and everything and one of the things when he got his Eagle Scout, he wanted to interview, you know, war veterans and stuff. So, you know, he interviewed a, a couple older guys than me that were in the war and everything, but he, you know, he wanted to interview me. Cause I said, you know, yeah, I, I was in Germany, but I guarded Rudolf Hess and, you know, and basically we did a, I don't know, probably a 30 minute video interview, you know, over his house, and he had all he had questions to ask me and wanted to know about Rudolf Hess and I had some articles about Rudolf Hess, you know, in my file and and uh the thing was, you know, he got his Eagle Scout and the thing was his all his interviews were published in the the Library of the US Congress, you know, so I, I had gotten a website, but it just shows, you know, George Frank, Spec four, Berlin Brigade, yada yada from you know seventy three seventy four but i could I could never see the I could never get into the see the video tape of the interview itself you know it's like well, I didn't get to see i you know but it's in the Library of Congress, and you know I just couldn't get you know I had the website and everything but couldn't get into the video so I don't know if it's they don't let you look at that or not, but you know it was kinda it, it,
0: it could just be there's so many
1: that they haven't digitized them yet yeah. Yeah, maybe that's that's what it was because this was this was what about two two years ago, you know. And now he's uh, he's he just graduated high school and he was gonna go to he had a he was he was gonna go to Annapolis, and basically he got all the way to Annap- he got all the way in, and then they basically he wants he wants to be a lawyer and not an engineer, and they basically said, well, at this point. All we're, all we're taking for Annapolis is engineers and stuff. We don't need any more, you know, jag attorneys or anything. So he's ended up, he's got a, I think he's got a full ride going to Berkeley because the guy's an honor student and uh he's got a four point, whatever the guys, a, he's a brain. So he said, well, I'll go, so I'll go to Berkeley and get my law degree after, you know? So, and I said, well, if you go to Annapolis, that's, that's good being in the Navy and stuff. And he never, he didn't apply to West Point or anything else. Cause you figured he was a shoe in for Annapolis with his grades and, you know, uh, Senator McKay and McCain, before he passed away, had wrote recommendations cause you need a Senator to to back you and everything. So he figured he was a shoe in. And then when, you know, they said, well, he didn't, he told me one to be a lawyer, not an engineer. And they said, well, sorry (laughs) so so he's he's going to berkeley and you know he's got a full ride there so i guess he'll be okay yeah Yeah,
0: well kudos to him kudos to him yeah
1: yeah he's a smart kid he's you know he's a he's a brainiac and he was on the football team and everything (laughs) so you know so he was both but you know he ain't gonna be playing football at berkeley or anything (laughs) yeah Oh,
0: yeah. It's all right. Um, You know, we dove into this conversation right off the bat. And you didn't introduce yourself, like I ask everybody. And where are you from?
1: Okay. (laughs) (laughs) So uh, my name is George Schrank. I was born in Flushing, New York, back in July 2nd, 1952, right after I was born. And I was, as my mother said, uh, I was in an incubator because I guess I was uh, I was in an incubator," she said, "for 51 days. So I guess my guess is I was premature. Premature. I think I was just under three pounds. Right after after that, my parents, you know, you know, moved to Long Island and built a house. The house was built in '52, sometime, and grew up on uh, Long Island. Uh, went to a, a technical high school in the district and got a you know like a vocational high school degree with machine tool and die and then went on to to this to the two year ag and tech school in uh, on long island sony state university of new york farmingdale and I was majoring going to major in air conditioning and heating engineering technology so i i completed the first year and then got drafted you know and did the, did my two years and then came back and went back to school and, and used the gi the GI bill benefits. And, and then, uh, from there, I, uh, I got out of college and was working for a a good friend of my uncle's. He had his own air conditioning and heating business. So he did a lot of union work, union contracts, schools and stuff like that. And, and then he had side jobs where he had little strip malls. So I couldn't go on the, the union sites, you know, and I was, I was what, let's see, I was probably 20, 20 let's see, I got out 74, 75, I was probably 24, 25 years old, and he had me going and doing these little strip malls that he'd put the air conditioning units in, and I'd go and hook them up and tie them, you know, and I didn't know a lot, you know, the, the course that I took, it was really geared to go on and get your engineering degree either mechanical or electrical and after after two years and you know calc one and you know thermodynamics and a couple other it's like man to go on and get an engineering degree and go through calc two and three and then thermodynamics two and three I was like well I think I think I'll go into the workforce and then you know because most of the people were looking you know Milwaukee School of Engineering came to the campus and was trying to recruit us and everything and after being you know in school for two years I said well I think I'll try the workforce and you know back then you know I was making like three dollars and fifty cents an hour <laughs> you know what a college with a two-year degree and and I didn't know a lot and he's he's out there sending me on doing these jobs and nobody even overseeing me and everything and it was like I was like you know, wet behind the ears. I didn't, I didn't know some of this stuff. We never learned this stuff in college. And and then he kept saying, well, when, the, when the summer's out, I'll, uh, you know, when the fall comes, you know, I'll, I'll lay you off. You can collect unemployment. And then, you know, if I get, if I get work, I'll call you back. We do some heating work and everything. And basically it never, it never materialized. And, uh, you know i never you know i never saw the guy again and my uncle who was good friends with him it, from the yacht club said yeah i ran into dick and he kind of gave me the cold shoulder and, and my uncle didn't know why and he said well that's because you know he laid me off and never called me back and never nothing and you know i i ran into him probably a couple years later because he was uh besides being a big sailor you know he had he he had a Sailboat and everything. I and he used to go to the Bahamas and leave me and the secretary in charge while he was gone for a week doing this, that, and the other thing. And, and uh, <laughs> I ran into him in a ski lift line up in Vermont skiing, and I know it was him because he looked at me and I looked at him, and just the eye contact. And he never said he was with his his girlfriend or whatever because he was divorced and he was like a playboy, you know. And you know, so he looked at me and I looked at him and I knew it was him, you know, with the, he didn't have his ski goggles on, but he had a thing across his face, but the eye contact. And I'm like, that's, that's the guy that never called me back. And you know, we had eye contact and that was it. Never saw him again. And basically my dad, who was a maintenance guy for a company on Long Island called General Instrument and their big claim to fame back then was they made a, integrated circuits for the atari video game the mattel and television uh the watch chips so my dad said i could probably get you a job as like a a lab tech and i went oh okay well heck, sure you know And i didn't know what you know he'd come home every night and talk about stuff he did at work and you know and to me it was a he said yeah we're in a clean room this and that and to me i was like okay whatever that is but hey i need a job and sure i'll uh I go to work there, and that's where my whole career in the semiconductor industry started, as a as a lab tech, you know, in the in the clean room. And and from there, I uh, worked there a couple of years, and then transferred to another company, which was up Harris Corporation, which was big in Florida. They had a satellite plant up in Poughkeepsie, New York. So I was living on Long Island an engineer and the engineering manager that worked in the same facility at General Instrument left and went up to Poughkeepsie. And Roger, the engineer, I told him, I said, Hey, if you ever need anybody up there, call me. And sure enough, by, I don't know, two or three months later, they're calling me to come up for an interview. Evidently the people that were running the show up there, just basically it was, it was fun and games. And they basically fired that whole team of people and they were all, they were all management and engineers out of National Semiconductor in Connecticut. They all came from Connecticut, Danbury, Connecticut, to to Harris and it was just fun and games. So they did a lot of a lot of shaky stuff and then they called in people from Florida to come up and they got rid of all of them and they started hiring a new team of people. So that's when these guys called me and I went up there and since since I had a lot of skill, they basically said we need We need some supervisors. We want you to be a supervisor. And I said, okay, I can, I can do this. And that's where it started, you know. And basically, that was '79. And then about a year later, no, I was there two and a half years. They shut the plant down because the plant only had a hundred people, and it was Christmas when they shut the plant down. And they said, well, you can, you can be unemployed, or we can send you down to Florida, you know, to our, our main plant. And I said, hey. I'll go to Florida. I'll work down there. And, you know, my parents were retired and lived on the other coast of Florida. So I said, well, I'll be closer to see them. And and that's where the, my career started. And I was there with Harris for 15 years. I became, uh, one of the production managers of one of the wafer, wafer facilities. And then, uh, after that a good friend of mine that I had hired a supervisor, he, uh, He went out to Intel in New Mexico and got a job and he dragged a bunch of us out there so in 93 we all went to uh, it was it was kind of interesting because you know a couple things happened I was I was going to school getting to get my four year degree so it was like 27 months of uh, one night a week and every third Saturday all day it was like an accelerated class you know they called it a cluster group and we started with Oh, about 30, 34, 35 people, you know, and every class, you know, if you fail, you know, then you have to wait till the next cluster group starts, which usually every six or nine months. So you don't want to fail. And, you know, I was working 50 uh, something hours a week and then going to school and it was crazy, you know, but it was 27 months of uh, working and then going to school and you know, I got my uh, my bachelor's degree in uh, business management. You know, my my fiance or future wife, we ended up uh, tying the knot and got married that that uh, that spring. And then I took a job with Intel in New Mexico. All within a matter of like two months, graduated. Uh, we got engaged. We planned a wedding for about a hundred people, and then we headed off to New Mexico. And if you don't know, that's a shock going, leaving sunny Florida in, uh, in March or April and landing in New Mexico in April when everything is just brown and tumbleweeds the sides of Volkswagens. So it was kind of a, kind of a culture shock, but you know, we, we were at New Mexico for 10 years with Intel. And then, uh, I took a transfer to Arizona back in 2000 and, uh, they started a new facility, so I was one of the uh, functional area managers in one in the new facility so i I did that and then I became an engineering group leader you know on uh, in manufacturing on a night shift and for the last eight years of my career career I worked you know three days on, four days off, four days on, three days off twelve hour shifts in manufacturing as an engineering group leader, I had engineers and techs and it was great because you know you know, before that I was doing five days a week and I'd always get called on weekends and everything. Well, when you work shift work, when your shift's over, you go home and nobody's going to bother you because they got, you know, I got four shifts over the, over the week, two in the front of the week, two in the back. So when you leave, they're not going to call you or anything until you come back on shift. So I was at Intel 21 years and in, in 13, they offered a, an early retirement package, and I said, "Well, I was going to work, you know, another six months and take my sabbatical because every seven years they give you a sabbatical, eight weeks off with pay." And I said, "Well, if I if I give up this retirement package, then basically, and just go back and work for another six months to get a sabbatical, but, you know, I must be out of my mind because they were giving us they were giving us health care and everything and." So I took it and, you know, January 1st of 14, I was retired and haven't looked back since then. And, you know, it's, you know, and I was 62 at the time and I'm going to be 67. And I looked back now and said it was the best thing I ever did. You know, (laughs) it was time, you know, being in manufacturing all my life, 37 years, you know, you know, you know when it's time. And it was time because Intel just grinds you down. You know, they, they pay, they pay good, but they expect a lot.
0: You've been listening to an interview with George Shrank. We did record this interview on June 6th, 2019, the 75th anniversary of D-Day. Alrighty. So thank you everyone for listening, for taking the time to download and listen. We'll be back a couple of episodes from now. We'll finish up this interview. And in the meantime, like I said, at the top of the podcast, if you're if you want to interview, want to be interviewed, you want to tell us your story, everybody's got one. uh, Just drop me an email. David Berlin Brigade. Let me know or get me on Twitter uh, at Berlin Brigade. Let me know. um, We'll get it together. We'll organize it. We'll do this. We did this one on Skype or was it Zoom? It was Zoom. We did it on Zoom. And it was really easy. There was a phone number that uh, George dialed into, and so he just did it on his phone. I had it on my computer, but that was it. That's just the way technology is now, so we should have no problem getting together. So all it takes is you reaching out and saying, hey, I got something. Let's talk. Let's do it. And that's all you really, truly need to do. But in the meantime, in the meantime, um, got an email? Email me, Dave at BerlinBrigade.com. Uh, follow us on Twitter, Berl- at at berlin brigade all one word facebook it's facebook.com slash berlin brigade all one word and on instagram yes we're on instagram as well instagram.com slash berlin brigade or look us up for the berlin brigade once you in the instagram app um let's see where else are we we're on spotify so don't forget to subscribe on spotify we're on apple apple podcast it used to be itunes now it's podcast. What else Uh, we are on uh, Spreaker stitcher I think we're also on Google 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 podcasts also I'm not too sure we need to check on that one I know I submitted the information I just not too sure I never got a response back that it it was on there so if you're listening on Google through uh, the podcast app on on Google let me know let me know David Berlin Brigade Uh, other than that um, I appreciate everyone thank you for taking the time to listen download uh, get us all the way to this point And, um, hundred and what, hundred and two episodes in, not too shabby. So, until next time, I'll talk to you real soon. Um, we'll talk then. In the meantime, have a great one, Um, everyone. Danke schön. Auf Wiedersehen.
1: Tschüss. Endstation. Bitte alle aussteigen.